Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville. Jesus is the living bread that satisfies the deepest hunger in our lives. That's why we gather each week and partake in things like the Lord's Supper. Communion is a sign of close fellowship between God and His people. It's not an ordinary meal, it's a holy meal where Christians participate when they gather to worship. Let's continue now with the Gift Giver in His Gathered Guest series with a message called The Lord's Supper, The Gift Giver's Gift, Part 1. I'm not much of a garden person. I don't like to work in the yard. <laughs> Cutting grass is okay. You know, I, I never fertilize my lawn in the fall. I don't even know how to do that properly. I'm not a handyman. You can ask Kathy. But, but I know Greek and Hebrew, so that counts for something. If you look at plants and you look at grass and you look at uh, horticulture, Plants grow as they are watered and fertilized, right? They have to be given proper sunlight. Once God makes you his child, for the rest of your life as a child of God, he waters and fertilizes your new life to enable you to grow spiritually as a believer. And one of the primary ways God fertilizes and waters and nourishes your faith is by the word of God and the sacraments, which are the gifts of God for the people of God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the apostle Peter exhorts those who have been brought to faith in Christ like this. He tells them, He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you were to ask most evangelicals, what are the keys to spiritual growth? You get this list of, well, you've got to pray, and you've got to read your Bible every day, and memorize scripture, and you have to perhaps fast if you're really, really committed and serious, and um, all these different spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are very important. You should read your Bible every day. These are very important practices, but those are means of gratitude. But how often on the radar screen How often is left off the primary means, not of gratitude, but the primary means of grace that God himself has instituted for the believer's primary source of nourishment of their faith throughout their whole lifetime. Dare I say that the word of God preached and read in church And the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper administered in church hardly, if ever, get on that list. And yet, these are the primary means of grace that the Holy Spirit takes to enable us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to how James Smith says it. He says that the church is the household where we are nourished by the word, where we eat the word and receive the bread of life. The church is that household where the spirit feeds us what we need and where by his grace, we become a people who desire him above all else. 
Christian worship is the feast where we acquire new hungers. Hungers for God and for what God desires. And then we are sent into his creation to act accordingly. In other words, to love and serve our neighbor in good deeds. So this worship service, weekend and week out, is, is the location. It is the household of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit, through the means of grace instituted by our Lord himself, comes to feed and nourish his people to satisfy their desires and to give them new desires by which we are sent forth into this world to love and serve our neighbor in those good deeds that we have been prepared to walk in, that God has prepared for us to walk in. So it is for these reasons that the church's corporate worship service has always historically been divided into two parts. You have the service of the word, which you can think of it like this. The service of the word is the first part of the service. It is the creation of faith. And then the second part of the service is the service of the sacrament. It is the confirmation of faith. This twofold division of what we're calling the divine service, what all Protestant Reformed churches have always called the service, this twofold division of the divine service of God's service to us his actions to us in this service are simply an outworking of the theology that we believe teach and confess which is illustrated for us in question 65 in the Heidelberg Catechism so listen carefully here's the question since then we are made partakers of Christ and all of his benefits by faith alone where does this faith come from? Listen to the answer carefully. Where does this faith come from? The Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts by the means of the preaching of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit confirms our faith by the use of the holy sacraments. That's where this division comes from. It is an outworking of the theology that we believe, teach, and confess. So you have the first part of the service, the service of the word, the creation of faith. Where does this faith come from that unites me to Christ in all of his saving benefits? How do I get saving faith in Christ? It is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. In the service of the word, we hear the gospel, which is an audible proclamation of the gospel. It is the word of Christ that you are hearing spoken to you. In the service of the word, the emphasis at this part is on hearing. We need to become a good congregation that listens. In the service of the word, the emphasis is on hearing. Why? Because our theology tells us this. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the apostle Paul says, faith comes from hearing. Hearing. Listen, and it's a specific type of hearing. 
hearing through the word of Christ. That is important because Paul doesn't say generally the word of God because what is the word of God? The word of God is either law or gospel. If you hear the law of God, the Holy Spirit does not take that part of the word of God and create faith. He takes that part of the word of God and he kills you. He convicts you. He shows you your sin. He leads you to Christ. But then when you hear the gospel, the good news proclaimed in the church, the Holy Spirit takes that word, and after he has killed you, he raises you from the dead and creates faith in you and gives you life. So in the service of the word, the emphasis is on hearing the word of Christ, where the Holy Spirit comes in great power to give people faith. And so the service of the word is the chief means of grace. The preaching of the word, the reading of the word, the hearing of the law, the confession of your, all of these aspects of the service of the word, the first part of the service, it is emphasizing that the word of God is the chief means of grace for your life. Why? Because God's word is the only means by which he reveals special grace. What is special grace? Jesus and his saving work on our behalf. You know, I, I love the ocean. I used to live in Denver. I missed Denver because the weather was great sometimes. But if you didn't like the weather in Denver, they said, wait 24 hours and it'll get better. And that's exactly right. It could be 10 degrees one day and the next day it's 75 and sunny. It's amazing out there. But we would go to the mountains, and you're just looking at the mountains, and they're just big and majestic, and it's like, wow, this is great, until you get to 14,000 feet, and then you get altitude sickness, and it's not so great. Um, but, but then you, you come here to Florida, and you go out to the ocean, and you sit on the seashore, and you watch the waves, and you watch the beautiful sunrise, and if you look to the west, you know, you see a sunset, but it's not as pretty here. You're on the west coast for that. But the point is, is you see creation, you see the glory of God, and you're just amazed at the beauty and power and wisdom of God in creation. But as beautiful and as powerful and as, as wise as God is revealing himself in creation, you can look for an eternity to mountains and to ocean waves and never be confronted with Jesus and his saving work on your behalf. Because general creation revelation doesn't reveal Christ. It doesn't give you Christ and all of his saving benefits. Only the word of God reveals to us Christ and all of his saving benefits, the gospel. So therefore, it is the chief means of grace by which the Holy Spirit gives to us Christ. And so listen, it is through the reading of the word of God, which we've done this morning. It is especially through the preaching of the word of God, the gospel, that God, the Holy Spirit, sets forth the person and work of Christ and applies that to the hearer by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's many examples, but turn over to Romans chapter 4. 
In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul is reading the book of Genesis, and he is clearly expositing the purpose, the point of Genesis for us. And he says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and look at this, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now listen carefully. Before God created the universe, only God existed, nothing else. Have you ever tried to think of nothing You can't because you're part of something. (laughs) You're part of creation. I am part of creation. But before creation, nothing existed except God. And the Apostle Paul takes how God spoke creation into existence. And now he compares it to how through the gospel of the promises of God how he creates the new heaven and earth and calls into existence things that do not exist through his word, namely his promise. Paul uses the truth of ex nihilo creation. Ex nihilo is just a big Latin phrase that means out of nothing. Paul says that out of nothing, he uses this truth that out of nothing, God spoke creation into existence, and he uses that powerful creative act of God to affirm what he did in the life of Abraham, whom Abraham trusted God's promise. What did Abraham do? He believed that the Lord could raise the dead and that the Lord could summon into existence what did not exist. What did not exist at this point in Abraham's life? You're going to see in just a moment, as Paul tells you, new life in Sarah's womb did not exist. She was way past the age of childbearing. Abraham was, Paul says, 100 years old. So look what Paul goes on to write about in verses 18 through 21. Look what he says. In hope, he, Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. So God promises a man who is 100 years old and his wife, who is almost as old as him, you're going to have a son, and through your son, your offspring, the whole world will be blessed. That is justified by faith alone in Christ alone, Galatians 3 and 4. And Abraham is hoping against hope that he would become the father of many nations. He's like, I just don't think, I don't know, but I'm going to hope against hope. And look at what he says. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning, look, the promise of God. The word of God in promise, the good news, the gospel. 
No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. This is how we give glory to God, by trusting in his promise to save us. Trusting in the promise-making, promise-keeping God is the way we truly glorify God. Why? Because it makes him look fantastic when he does the impossible on our behalf. Which in this context is to justify the ungodly. Look at this, verse 21. Fully, Abraham fully convinced, confirmed, assured that God was able to do what he had promised. We sing the promises of God this morning that he's able to do great and mighty things on our behalf. And so the word of God is the chief means of grace. He calls into existence through his promises things that do not exist, and he raises the dead and gives life to where life doesn't exist. Now, in addition to the word of God, the service of the word, there is the service of the sacrament, the second part of the worship service. The service of the sacrament is the confirmation of faith. In the service of the sacrament, we see the gospel. It is a visible proclamation of the gospel. In the service of the word, we hear the gospel. It is an audible proclamation of the gospel. In the service of the sacrament, we see the gospel. It is a visible proclamation of the gospels. Everybody got that? The sacraments, baptism, and the Lord's Supper are connected to the Word of God and serve to us as visible words. They are God's objective revelation declaring to us exactly what the Word of promise declares to us, namely Jesus in all of his saving benefits for us. And so this little cup of wine or juice this piece of bread, water in a baptismal font, these are connected to the word of God and are God's objective revelation speaking to you visible words of good news. How do I know this? Listen to the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. Paul refers to the Lord's Supper as a visible proclamation of the gospel. Listen to what he says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, there's a proclamation, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, it is a proclamation. You proclaim what? The Lord's death substitutionary atonement for your sins on the cross. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so it must be remembered that apart from the word of God, the service of the word, the sacraments are merely empty symbols, indistinguishable from a meal at most. No different from bread you might get at Subway. No different from the bread you might get from Catherine, who makes that great homemade bread for us every Lord's Supper, right? 
If it's not attached to the word of God in the gospel, these are empty symbols that become acts of superstition and religion, dead religion. But listen, the word of God can exist apart from the sacraments. But the sacraments cannot exist without the word of God, the promise of the gospel. But when accompanied with the pure preaching of the gospel, the sacraments, when they are properly administered, serve in the church as a visible gospel, which the Holy Spirit takes these little signs and seals, and through them, the Holy Spirit confirms your faith in Christ. And so the chief aim of the second part of this service is to confirm your faith. It is to assure you that God's saving mercies in Christ are true for you. One author says that they are like neon signs flashing good news, good news. This is true for you. Take and eat. This is good news for you. The Holy Spirit takes the sacraments, takes the Lord's Supper, takes baptism, and he fully and firmly confirms and convinces and assures the believer that God is able to do what he has promised in the gospel to do for you. And that against all apparent appearances of your life, that at that moment, everything in your conscience is telling you, this is not true for me. I've just blown it too much this week. I've gone too far this time. I've been put in a permanent timeout. And the Lord gives us, he institutes these sacraments to say there's no permanent timeout for those who are in Christ. There is forgiveness and there is unending eternal favor from your Father. That's what this is for. Again, this is simply an outworking of the faith that we believe, teach, and confess. Listen again to the Heidelberg Catechism, question 65. Since we are made partakers of Christ, we come into union with Christ. And all his benefits, where does this saving faith come from? The Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel, service of the word. And he confirms our faith by the use of the holy sacraments, service of the sacrament, the twofold division of the, of the divine service. There it is right there. If you're going to receive the comfort of the gospel, you have to have the assurance that you indeed have a saving relationship with Christ. If you're going to love and serve your neighbor from this place in, in good works that God has prepared for us to walk in, if we come to be served to serve, if you're going to love and serve your neighbor and obey God's law, you have to have assurance of your relationship with Christ. If you're going to give obedience to God's law, true obedience, not just servile, dutiful obedience is like, okay, I've got to love my wife, so I'll just do something for her to show her that I love her. You know what I mean? That don't work too good. Like if it's her birthday and you remember it and you put a yellow sticky note on the bathroom mirror and say to her and sloppy and happy birthday, Catherine. 
I don't think she's going to feel too loved. That's not how we love and serve our neighbor. With that servile, just do your duty, do enough just to get by. That's not what we're talking about. If you're truly going to serve the Lord, love and serve your neighbor. You have to have the assurance of God's love for you, which comes from his service to you as a gift. Christ instituted the sacrament so that the Christian can see and understand more clearly and also, yes, feel and experience more profoundly the promises of the gospel. We are not against experiential faith at this church. We believe in great experience, but it comes through means. And there's no greater means given to truly experience the work of the Spirit in your life and to understand and comprehend the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than through the ministry of the Word and the sacraments. Because they were designed to help believers receive assurance of their faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they're for. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called The Lord's Supper, The Gift Giver's Gift, Part 1. More from the Gift Giver series coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.